This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome back to When in Romance, where we get to talk about all things romance novels and the people who write them and who love them. I am Jess. And I am Trisha. And we are recording on Sunday, March 26, 2023. You might notice that's not a Thursday, and we usually record on Thursdays. Well, we both actually have quite the busy week ahead, so we're recording a little early for you. So if anything happens in the next seven days that should be talked about in Romance Landia, we'll talk about it next time. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's just the way it goes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually, I was just telling you a little bit before we started, Jess, I'm out on the East Coast and I am in an affordable hotel that also happens to be, I don't, have you spent any time in these like very efficient sort of like hostel slash hotel hotels where no. like... The hotel room is like the size of a, I've only been on one cruise ship and it was like 10 years ago, but like a cruise (laughs) ship room where there's not a refrigerator, but there's a drawer that is colder than the other drawers. So like that's kind of, it's like that sort of situation. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's like a little curtain that separates the sleeping part from like the bathroom part. Like there's also, you know, a nook for the shower and whatnot. It's a, it's different. It's it's funny in that it's like one of those things where you're like, oh, this is the efficient and affordable version of this, but they're also trying to make it the cool version of this. <laughs> so uh, anyway, all of that to say, thank you for accommodating my schedule out here on the East Coast in this hotel that I can't tell if it's fancy or the opposite of fancy. It's probably somewhere in between. Somewhere in between. We like it. Yeah, somewhere in between. All right, uh, I am not going <laughs> to sometime, probably soon I will post on Instagram the four very weird books that are in this hotel room. None of them is the Bible, in case anyone's <laughs> keeping track. But <laughs> since I am not reading any of them, let me ask you, Jessica Pride, what are you reading? Well, I am, like like I mentioned, today is the 26th and we are still within the confines of the trans rights readathon and i Ooh. just started the spy and her serpent by maria ying this was a twitter recommendation i asked abroad for recommendations for books written by trans authors who had written romances with trans feminine heroines meaning that in my case i was really looking for trans women mm-hmm. and you know it was a rough sell because there aren't many. (laughs) Yeah, I was a little surprised. I don't think I realized until you asked that question how few titles I would have been able to think of that Mm -hmm. had that representation. Yeah. So, um, and this was one of the ones that had been recommended to me. So I picked it up, you know, a couple days ago and I've had to 
put it down constantly. So I am only a few pages in still, but it seems to, it's a crime novel. We have two trans women who are on sort of the same side of the law, but opposite sides of the opposite side of the law. I don't know. It's enemies to lovers, so I'm excited about that. And I don't read a lot of seriously crime novels, so I'm excited to sort of dig into that dirty world. And it also takes place in Singapore, so that's cool. Um, So, um, like I said, I'm only a few pages in because I keep having to put it down and go do other uh, grown-up things. But I'm excited to, like, have a seat and just immerse myself in it. Hooray! (laughs) What are you reading? Uh, I feel like you're asking that with enthusiasm because you know the answer to the question, which is that finally, I have picked <laughs> up a book that you've talked about many times on this podcast, which is Rookie Mistake by Anna Zabo and L.A. Witt. And I'm not going to go too far into it because, A, I just started it. I started reading it because I have decided to undergo a project where I learn as much as I can about hockey just by <laughs> reading romance novels. I'm going to write about it eventually. But... That is to say, everything I know so far about hockey, I am learning from romance novels. And one of the things that's kind of a bummer about reading romance novels where there is a male and female main character is that often they cannot be opponents. Mm -hmm. And the other reason I'm not going to go too far into this is because I haven't gotten too far into the book yet. But it is really lovely to actually be able to read a book where one main character is a hockey player and the other main character is not like the coach's daughter uh-huh. Or the sister yeah. of another character, or mm-hmm. like I, ugh, there's just so much of those things. So anyway, it is a great reminder of how much fun it is to read a sports romance where the two main characters are teammates. In this mm-hmm. case, one of them is a rookie, kind of like figuring things out. The other one is a more established, popular, well-known player. There's a bit of a spark. Uh, like I said, I'm not too far in yet, but I. Following the wise wisdom of Jessica Pride, I'm finally reading Rookie Mistake by Anna Zabo and L.A. Witt. And I know, for, I, I can't speak to L.A. Witt, I know Anna Zabo is a huge hockey fan. And mm-hmm. so unlike a lot of the other hockey books I've been reading lately, I am very convinced that they are able to talk about this game in a way that involves more than just what the players' wives do with their nails before <laughs> the next game happens. <laughs> So uh, I'm also reading another book that's going to come up later, but this is the one that I am I'm very excited about. And uh, in a shocking turn of events, just kidding, not shocking at all. Jess was right. So far, fantastic book. <laughs> I am excited for you. And I understand if you were not as enthusiastic about it as I am when you are done, but I feel like you might be. I mean, I feel like I might be also, even though that is a very high bar. <laughs> I think I think still, it's still likely to be the case. Uh, all right, we actually have a, an announcement from Book Riot, but before we do that, let's do a quick sponsor break. All right, before we jump in all the way to the show, we have been talking about it, you have been hearing about it. Pretty sure Jess did the read last time, so I will do it this time. But <laughs> if you are looking for fascinating stories, informed takes, useful advice, and more from the experts in the world of books and reading, you, yes, you, can subscribe to Book Riot's newest newsletter, The Deep Dive, to get exclusive content delivered to your inbox. 
You can subscribe and choose your membership level today at bookriot.substack.com. We are tapping the experts to share longer gems based on years of knowledge about books and publishing, experiences as readers and book curators, and research on lesser-known histories to illuminate and inspire book lovers. This feels like very much the -the behind-the-scenes kind of thing that you are looking for if you are a person who not only loves reading, but also loves books. And for $5 a month, you can get this deep-dive edition of our newsletter in your inbox twice a month. If you're not sure about that $5, you're on the fence, you need a little more time, you can get a free subscription and get the splash pad, which rounds up some of our experts' recommended reading and bookish lifestyle goods monthly. One more time, let me see if I can nail that uh, web address again. That is bookriot.substack.com. Subscribe and choose your membership level today. Excellent. I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of stories come out of the deep dive on the splash pad. Me too. And Jess, we were talking a little bit about uh, what we wanted to talk about today here, speaking of stories. And you had some thoughts inspired by some of your recent hobbies and interests and activities. Absolutely. So as I mentioned before, we both have a busy week ahead. And mine is my first time back with the symphony chorus since 2020. Very excited. But you know, it's concert week. So every evening, including the evening in which Trisha and I would be recording, I'm going to be hanging out for a couple hours with a symphony watching them play and then singing for 20 minutes and then going home. But I was thinking about the fact that classical music is not unseen in romance novels, but for the most part, we might have, you know, I know I've seen a couple where there's like a conductor and a violinist. It's always a violinist, but very few... You know, like, there was that one I read a million years ago with the opera singer and the football player, and they both had very important events coming up. His was Super Bowl. Hers was, like, debuting at the Met, and she left to go watch him win the Super Bowl. I was so pissed off. So pissed off. It's like... You got more Super Bowls in you. This is the her debut at the... Anyway, but I don't see a lot of classical singers in general and choral singers, definitely, because, you know, like I said, choral music is my thing. Um, So I was telling Mm -hmm. Trisha that there are a lot of sort of settings and like jobs and types of people and all of that that we we don't really see in romance, but then there are some that we just see all the time. So we decided to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. And I had an easier time, I think, thinking of the ones that you see all of the t- You see so many business people, mostly businessmen, mm-hmm. but sometimes business people. You see so many lawyers. You often see teachers, but the teachers are often paired with a business person or a lawyer because of the income that that other person has. Mm -hmm. We have, maybe we have not talked a ton about it, but Romance Landia in general talks constantly about the number of dukes Mm -hmm. in historical romance and how bonkers it is. It's also true, frankly, of like the earls and all of the other aristocracy. Remember Mm -hmm. when I learned that that word a few weeks ago? (laughs) 
And I was thinking, Jess, as you were talking, so I think some of the careers that are sort of underrepresented or some of the activities or hobbies or settings, I wonder if it's like a the challenge of the research, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's easy to kind of fake it if you have a main character who's a business president. I keep thinking of, I think it's the, what, the Lego movie maybe where <laughs> the kid is acting out president business. <laughs> is that what, something like that. Where, like, you can act out like someone who's just very busy and important at their job all day. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you are putting, you know, a choral singer or some of these, like, blue-collar jobs that we don't see. We don't see a lot of, like, delivery people. Mm -hmm. You know, like, there are a lot of jobs that might require more research to accurately represent them. Whereas I almost – I don't know what you think of this. I almost kind of wonder if it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way that, like – if you have a character who's a doctor, and there are plenty of doctors, mm-hmm. there is a lot of even pop culture to draw on, for better mm-hmm. or worse, that doesn't require a lot of research. And I'm certainly not intending to call any authors like lazy or like they don't want to do the research, but it does take an extra step to find somebody who is in one of these more niche kind of settings or jobs. I don't know mm-hmm. if that, that, that may be just a little unreasonable. No, it's it's totally true. And that sort of leads to what I like to call question mark jobs, where it's like, mm-hmm. they're a business person, or something like, uh-huh. th- or they just go to work and come home and they had a terrible day, but you don't know what they were doing all day. You just know that they hate their mm-hmm. job or something. So it's like, what are you doing? I don't know. They They have a job because people have to have jobs. If they if they live in a certain, you know, socioeconomic status. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of those are like PR and marketing jobs. Yeah. It's like, oh, somebody had a t- like tough job in marketing today. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Like, I'm sure that many people who work in marketing have a tough day at their job. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Yeah. And another one I was thinking about is like bakers. There are so many bakers but there's so oh, yes there aren't many there aren't as many people who are in the other areas of food or the other areas of like owning a small business like i own a cupcake shop lots of people mm-hmm. apparently own cu- cupcake shops or just bakeries in general or want to own bakeries bookshops bookshops also bookshops so many bakeries and bookshops, but no like bodegas or grocers or, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. And you do see them here and there, right? I'm thinking mm-hmm. of the first book in the recent Mia Sosa series where her family, if I'm remembering right, her family owns a bodega. Yeah. But then the other, it's one of the things that has always been really frustrating. And I'm, I feel like we probably talked about this a little bit maybe not in depth, is kind of like the classism in romance mm-hmm. that like we so we're so eager to conflate financial success with romantic success. Mm. Like we equate money and financial security with a happy ever after. And it feels like we talk once in a while about the last, you know, like certainly there are many, 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 many places where we have not overcome all of the biases and romance. Uh, that is absolutely true. But mm-hmm. we talk about a lot of them. And I feel like one of the ones that we don't necessarily talk a ton about is the classism. Mm-hmm. And I think 
that is one of the issues with there being so many billionaires and so many business people and so many, there are so many people in romance who can just like charter a jet to get <laughs> to like their grand romantic gesture. Uh-huh. And I just, I mean, good for them. Like, that's great. I, I'm happy for them. But also, mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's when we talk about like the series, the uh, Mia Hopkins series that starts with Thirsty, I think is the first in the mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the fact that that is a series that features all the main characters are not financially secure and are struggling and are trying to figure things out. And I think, you know, when we talk about happy ever after being for everyone, I absolutely understand the appeal of having Mm -hmm. to not worry about any of those things and to be able to just charter a jet. But, you know, like there's so many athletes and you pointed this out and I'll, I'll let you talk about it in a minute, but like male athletes in particular in these books that it just makes it so much easier to just know that like they'll be able to provide the security they'll be able to provide the private car they'll be able to provide the private housing like mm-hmm. and it's because it kind of it feels like it leapfrogs a lot of the more authentic challenges that folks might face yeah and you know those athletes are always like the top paid folks the most sought after the most popular people mm-hmm. recognize them in the street kind of folks but yeah. you know another another group sort of like choral singers that i was thinking about because they they have made their way into my knowledge and existence are are those female athletes and not you know, I I want to see female athletes across the board. I want to see a WNBA uh, romance. I want to see all of these things in sports that are very popular. You know, like we have, oh God, what's her name? <laughs> the hockey uh, romance. Oh, Kelly Farmer? Yes, Kelly Farmer. I'm sorry, Kelly. I know you listen to this podcast and I am so sorry. I forgot your name. <laughs> friend of the show, Kelly Farmer. Friend of the show, Kelly Farmer has a Three, three books about women who play hockey. But I want to see, you know, like, every time my husband turns on MMA and there is a, there are women on the card, I'm like, I want that romance novel. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is all connected to my husband, you know, turning on YouTube videos. Because now I'm like, I want lady climbers in romance. And I want female mm-hmm. disc golf players in romance. And I just like, I read that one book about a woman golf player. And I was like, I want more. I want more. And, you know, there are so many romances that maybe these exist. But I just, there should be more of them so that we can't just say, oh, yeah, there's that one. And the same goes, you know, we talk about, you were talking about all of these wealthy people and the same goes for like movie stars and rock stars and they have star in their name. So they're obviously very wealthy. But what about like, what about like in Always Be My Maybe uh, where What's-His-Face's band is like, you know, mm-hmm. maybe local celebrities, but not really like so big that that can be their the way that they make money. <laughs> what about those bands that are just like working their tails off to make it just in general, not in the big mm-hmm. time, but just like they're going on tour and they're, you know, trying to make something of themselves. What about those people who 
might be rock stars someday, but when they're famous, they'll already have a partner because they met them way, way before. Where are those romance novels? Or even like the middle managers of the world, mm-hmm. right? Like, which I realize sounds so stupid, but it's also like the reality is. I feel like there's this pressure, I, I, as you were talking about athletes, and as we were talking about business people, I was thinking of the um, Nalini Singh rugby series that I absolutely adore. But one of the first books in that series features a former rugby player who is now a very, very successful businessman. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not even just one or the other, it's both. Uh And I feel like there is kind of these books almost put I you know, I think that I can only think of Randall Park's name. I can't think of his character's name and always be my maybe but Uh you're right. Like, he he and his band just play for fun. They're not trying to win a Grammy. They're Mm -hmm. just playing because they like to play music together. Mm -hmm. And that's great. Like, I think romance novels in some ways put the kind of in it, you know, people talk about the romantic pressure that they put on people or the unrealistic expectations, which is silly. And we've talked about that before. But there is an element of it's not enough to just be in a successful relationship. It's not enough to do all of these various things. You also have to be professionally very satisfied and very fulfilled. Or if you're fulfilled in your career, but you're not making enough money, then you have to have a partner mm-hmm. who, like, you can work your day job and be fulfilled, and then they can swoop in and get the private jet to take you both to Hawaii for the week. You know, like it's Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. It was an it was a great observation on your on your side, I think, that there is so much of this stuff that is just kinda out there. And when you were talking about the sports and the female athletes that are not represented, I wonder too if some of that is again a research thing that it's mm-hmm. a lot easier to make a character a teacher than it is to make them a MMA fighter, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not, I'm certainly not trying to put more work on any of the authors out there. I just wonder if that's part of where that comes from. I mean, it's quite possible because like you were saying, it's easy to sort like we've all had teachers. So even if we haven't been a teacher, we can probably sort of, we probably generally understand what life is like for a teacher and like what their workload looks like, what their day looks like. Whereas we know nothing about some of these athletes beyond the day that we see them play if they play on television. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is that is absolutely probably part of it. And you know, you can be like Anazabo where they are huge hockey fans, so they put the work in. But unless you're me or one of my friends or maybe KJ Charles, you don't know about choir, right? <laughs> so sure. So it's like a little, there are things that you you first have to be interested in as a writer, I guess, and mm-hmm. then yeah. want to go learn enough about it to be able to write convincingly about it. And have the time to do that given, you know, the publishing deadlines that we expect from a lot of these authors. Yeah. Yeah, that's true as well. Anything else you want to add on this before we hop to a new topic, Jess? No, I think I think we've covered... A lot more than I thought we were going to cover in this conversation, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, I agree. I think we did. But I would also love to hear from other folks what they are seeing over and underrepresented, what they would like to see more of. What is your job in your life look like that you are not seeing necessarily represented in romance? Much like I assume now that we've had this conversation 
Jess will just be overwhelmed with requests for her to beta read people's different choral music romances. Absolutely. And if you have one, please send it to me. (laughs) Jess is ready. She is ready. I am ready. (laughs) All right. We will take a quick break and then we will hop to our next topic. All right, Jess, this one was mine, and I started to have second thoughts about it even after we talked about it because I started to realize that I'm not actually quite sure what we mean. I sent you a note and told you that for some reason I had been, like, surrounded by and in a variety of second chance romances lately, Mm -hmm. which I think is true. But before we actually get into this conversation about what we like or don't like or how we feel about second chance romance, let me ask you this. How would you actually define a second chance romance? My most specific question is, does the pair of people have to have been engaged in a romantic or sexual relationship and then like have a break and start again? Do they just have to have known each other? Like what is second chance as you would define it? In my mind, second chance is definitely... It doesn't have, they don't have to have been in a romantic or sexual relationship. Although that's, that's where most of the ones that I would say are second chances sort of live in my mind. But they might, Mm -hmm. they had to have had a chance to be in a romantic relationship. Like for me, if they were, you know, teenage friends and friends, friends, specifically friends, and then one moved away or whatever happened. And then when they meet later, they they develop a romantic relationship. I don't particularly see that as a second chance because it just feels like a really, really long, slow burn. (laughs) Um, Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. You know, some some people might, might think differently. I just, for me, there has to have been sort of an acknowledgement of romantic potential in the first mm-hmm. chance and something yeah. sort of taking bringing them apart for so they can come back together. Oh, interesting. I wonder if that's part of it too is like that there was actually something that took them away from each other as opposed to just kind of like I I wonder if there's like a difference between like a second chance romance versus a finally a chance romance, <laughs> like a delayed chance romance. Mm, interesting. Which maybe we talk about another time. <laughs> but I was, yeah, I was trying to think of that through of like, what is what is it that makes two people who knew each other into a second chance romance versus something that is like, I, I think your description too of a really slow burn, like a mm. very, very decade-long slow burn is another very interesting situation. And I will say, I I think as I was thinking this through and as I sort of happened unexpectedly to end up reading a few of these books, I wouldn't have thought, you know, three weeks ago that I had any feelings really one way or another towards second chance romance. I think it's kind of nice, but I didn't really, mm-hmm. I don't seek it out. Although I've really enjoyed the ones that I've been reading and kind of zeroed in on some of the things about them that I like. But I don't know. I'm not. Are you a second chance romance reader? Is that a thing that you look for or avoid? So here's the thing. For a long time, I thought second chances were not for me. I was certain. I would pick up a book. I would read the description. And if it was like, they're getting back with their ex. It was like, nope, this is not for me. Or I would start mm-hmm. reading and realize, oh, no, this is a second chance that like the, the blurb did not say this. And I set it aside and move on. Mm-hmm. But 
there are some books that I've picked up that either I went in knowing they were second chance and have prepared myself and just couldn't not read them for whatever reason, or they were just, it was just something that I, I had to read. And so I went ahead and dealt with the second chance. And so I was like, oh, okay. So there uh-huh. are some <laughs> authors who can write second chances that I'm like, okay, I'll take it because I have to mm-hmm. read this book. But they're, like, I still don't, mm-hmm. like you were saying, I don't seek them out specifically as second chance. Like, if it's a new author to me and I'm not like, wow, I really got to read that book, I might wait until somebody tells me that, like, it is an absolute must read. And were you able to cobble together anything you were excited about in this? Because I will say, I think one of the things that I like about Second Chance Romance, as I thought more Mm -hmm. about it, was the fact that insta-love is significantly Mm -hmm. less likely. Right. So one of the books I was thinking of is a book called Appealed by Emma Chase. It's the third book in her legal brief series that I've talked about before. And Emma Chase definitely does tend to write very alpha male main characters. So if that is not for you... You should know that Mm -hmm. going in. This particular one is, I think, a little bit less of that case. Brent is a little more playful. And he, his his kind of best friend slash girl next door, they're both attorneys. He's a defense attorney and she's a prosecuting attorney. You can imagine kind of how that goes. Mm -hmm. But they like get reconnected and a few things happen and they meet up in a bar and they're kind of, they fall very quickly into what turns out to be a very serious relationship. And uh, that's not spoiling anything. That's how a lot of romance Mm -hmm. works. So feel free to pick it up. But I think one of the things that makes that sort of development make a little more sense to me or add up a little bit to me is when two people have a history. So I can't remember. They might have had a romantic history. If they did, it was kind of that teenage history. It might have just been that there was like a mutual attraction and they were best friends and everybody assumed they were going to end up together. I don't remember the exact details. But to me, this one feels like a second chance because of kind of that that history that that it's not just a oh we used to know each other history it's a like very deep and developed and detailed history Mm -hmm. that these two people have and it makes the speed of the relationship to me at least feel a little less manufactured Mm -hmm. i don't know if that makes sense that totally makes sense because i think one of the things one of the things that has made me less interested in second chance romances is that I've always been interested in the couple or group getting to know each other. And that's a big part of what Mm -hmm. interests me about romance in general. But I realized that second chance romances can have that. And I think, honestly, Mm -hmm. Romance Book Club, I think, is the book that really, like, brought me into that that second chance universe of a marriage in trouble because the marriage in trouble book is just a second chance romance. Absolutely. And I, I discovered that I love marriage in trouble books. Like throw me, throw a pile of Sherry Thomas at me and I am happy because I feel like that's all she writes is like marriages in trouble. Um, Mm -hmm. And Another person who writes magnificent um, second chances is Kennedy Ryan. And I think that's actually why it yeah. took me so long to get on the Ryan bandwagon. I own several Kennedy Ryan books, but I would keep opening them and being like, oh, it's another book about a couple who were ripped apart and have to figure out how to bring themselves back together. 
Like each each time I picked up a Kennedy Ryan book, it was the same thing. But then I needed to read before I let go because she was coming to the book festival. Mm -hmm. I was going to be doing, you know, having conversations with her. And it's like, you can't just like not read an author's book if you're going to be moderating a panel. So it was like, this is my chance. This is this is the way to force me into reading this to understand what it is about Kennedy Ryan that everyone loves because she's a great person, but I had never actually made it through one of her books. And then mm-hmm. she broke me. And <laughs> this one, in for, like she, like she is one of those people who like, no matter what the book is about, I will pick it up now because the writing is spectacular and the feelings and the storytelling and all of that comes together. And it, in this case, it happened to be, a second chance between a couple who had divorced during a very terrible time in their lives. That was the other thing Mm -hmm. about second chance for me, because I would pick up these second chance books and hold the biggest grudge against whoever it was that screwed up. Mm -hmm. Be like, I I remember picking up, I think it was like a Sinethea Williams or one of the Bourbon Brothers books. Farrah Roshan for sure has one. Yeah. And like they were they were in love as teenagers and then he pushed her away and it turns out he had a reason for it, but you know, all of that stuff. Just like hate to want you. Like all of these books yeah. now that I'm thinking about them are actually second chance romances that pulled me in for some reason beyond the fact that they were second chance. Mm-hmm. But Before I Let Go is a masterclass in a divorced couple finding their way back to each other. And part of it is, in this case, that they're still in love with each other. They think they've moved on. Everybody's in therapy. That's like the subtitle of this book is Everybody's in Therapy. We'll <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> see if they can get that in like the next edition. Of, like, an actual subtitle? Yes. Like, that That should seriously just be, like, you open the book and you see, like, before I let go, under and underneath it in cursive, it's like, everybody's in therapy. <laughs> but then, like, just a couple weeks later, I, re- I listened to Coming Home, which is her Audible original. So it's short and mm-hmm. it's completely different as in style. Well, not in style. It's still her style. But, like, it was funny, and it was cute. And this was also a second chance. But instead of a harrowing event tearing the people apart who were who had already been together for so long, it was, we had a moment, and we could have moved forward with it. But instead, we sort of avoided the moment, and then every time we tried to... We thought about being with the other person. They were with someone else. So this is like 20 years later. They're like, they're finally reunited after having like huge crushes on each other in college, but then not being able to move forward with it at that time. Mm -hmm. So those are two very different types of books, but they're both second chance and they both like they invoke very different emotions in you but yeah i mean in the end they figure it out and you know coming home is only like two hours long as an audiobook so you're not in their in their minds and in their in their pain the way that you are and before i let go but you still you still get to sort of help them figure out 
what the next steps are. Yeah, and it's interesting that you mention marriage and trouble, second chance romance, because I think that is probably the most common request that I get from friends of mine who are reading romance in terms of a subgenre or a trope, rather, because I think so much of romance ends with an HEA or an HFN, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people feel like they've had kind of that moment of the commitment or the marriage or just the, you know, happy final chapter of a specific thing. But then the relationship lives on and people have to figure things out. And I think you mentioned the Bromance Book Club, but I also think there's a, a one of the Chloe Lee's, the her recent series books has a marriage and trouble book. Uh, mm-hmm. I recently was reading one by Zoe York. And the one that I just recently have started, it's, I we were going to talk about it here, so I didn't want to talk about it at the beginning. So uh, <laughs> luckily, I'm reading more than one book at once, but is How to Catch a Queen by mm-hmm. Alyssa Cole, which is the first book in her second royal series. So it's the first book in her runaway royal series. And it's essentially an arranged marriage and trouble. It's a marriage that is, again, basically arranged because the king has died and the prince needs to get married because he is now going to be the king, but the king has to be married. And it's this whole thing where they actually are a pretty good match and a pretty good pair. But because of the stress of the circumstances and the way that they both handle it, you know, their marriage is in trouble very early on. Mm -hmm. And I'm surprised I was surprised even as I was thinking about it and reading it, I think that there are more marriage second chance romances or more, I don't even want to call them necessarily marriage and trouble books, because I think a lot of them are, but I think a lot of them are just kind of exposing what that second phase Mm -hmm. of romance looks like, right? Where you have that initial part where you fall in love and you commit to each other and you get married, but, or sometimes you just are committed to each other, but regardless, it's, and then you kind of have to keep doing that Mm -hmm. over and over again over the course of a lifetime. And I think a lot of people are looking for that representation. So I think that's another characteristic of these kinds of books that does tend to appeal to people. Yeah, absolutely. Because they are experiences that a lot of us have. We go back to the, the conversation about, you know, people we don't see as often. It's we we like to pick up books about teachers and about librarians mm-hmm. um, because the ones in the novels that we're reading are <laughs> apparently better off economically than we are. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. a different story. <laughs> so seeing, uh, you know, married couples sort of figure out how to keep going with their marriage, even if it's not, like you said, in trouble, just like in marriage, (laughs) then... Yeah, 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 I think that's right. Yeah. There was a different kind of second chance story that I wanted to talk about, and it's only partially second chance because it is a um, polyamorous romance, and it's called Faded by Lisa B. Trinidad. I honestly cannot remember if I've talked about it on the show before. It doesn't sound familiar, but, you know, I'm ready. Yeah, so one arm of this romantic story is a second chance. It's a guy who's moved back home and is pursuing a relationship with a new person, but is also pursuing a relationship with his ex. And when they first were first together, 
you know, neither of them was in a good place emotionally. They're, they're both like better human beings now, better adults, um, or in the process of becoming better human beings or just in acknowledging the wrongs that they have done in the past. So that's one arm of the relationship while he is also pursuing a woman that he sort of knew before, but is getting to know better now. And this is one of those multi-gender, multiple partners, polyam stories where it is a V instead of a pile. Because while the main character is pansexual, his male partner is gay and his female partner is straight or at least not interested in his gay partner. So they... Anyway, um, it's complicated. So it's MFM as opposed to MMF. Yes. Is that or right? okay. FMM? MMF? Okay. I don't, I don't know. Got it. I don't know what the order of things... Like, I know that MFM and MMF are impacted if, like, the woman is sleeping with the two guys, but the swords don't cross. Oh, got it. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yep. Multiple partner romance is hard. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's true. Well, I think, yeah, I think what you, the point, and I interrupted, but I think the point that you were trying to get across is that it is not an everyone having sex with everyone situation. Yes. Yes, it is a V, a legit V. But it was interesting reading it and seeing that there is, there are, the way that he approaches the relationship with someone he's already been in a relationship with versus a new partner or new potential partner is completely different. And then those two partners interactions, because they are not also dating each other are completely different. There's like a scene where the main character has like an anxiety attack and the new partner goes to the, the other partners, like, you understand how this works better with this person, so please help. Um, and that kind of way. So there are things about a second chance romance where, like we were saying, like, they do, they know a lot about each other and can really be active in their lives in a different way than someone who is a new paramour. As it were. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a super interesting kind of approach to this too. And I will just do a sort of quick shout out to a book that we've talked about before, a lot like Adios by Alexis Daria, which is a book I know that we both really enjoy. And one of the things that, so this is very clearly a second chance romance. One of the things that I like about this book is how quickly the, particularly kind of the sexual part of this relationship heats back up. Like, Basically, the first time that these people reunite, they are having like very intense sex again. It's like, I don't know, I would say it's like 15% of the way through the book. And I think one of the things that that the speed kind of on that side of things highlights is that the issue between these people was never the physical chemistry. Uh It was always kind of the life drama and the emotional drama and the miscommunications and how that carries into their second chance, Mm -hmm. right? Like almost in some ways by like kind of getting the physical chemistry out of the way so quickly, 
I just really like the way that this book and Alexis Daria kind of refocus the relationship on what has actually been the challenge. And I think that's a unique thing that you can do with a second chance romance. Not necessarily only second chance romance, right? Like there are other books where the sexual chemistry works out and other, other things don't, but there's not a waiting for like, will they, won't mm-hmm. they, when 60%, what's, you know, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. But again, that's a book that I think, again, both of us really enjoyed and would recommend. And I think it's a way, it's one really strong and really interesting way to do a second chance romance. So again, that's A Lot Like Adios by Alexis Daria. And speaking of interesting ways to do second chance romance, uh, this is the last book I'm going to talk about, I promise. Unwritten Rules by Katie Casey. It's the first in their baseball series. So once again, a sports romance by someone who is heavily invested in the sport. I think the last time I talked about either this book or the second book in the series, I called it the baseballiest baseball romance I've ever read. And this one alternates between then and now. So it's technically a second chance romance because there is a a space of time in which the two weren't together. But you also get to see them initially fall in love as you go to the then and see their reunion and how they get over the hurdles that tore them apart in the first place in the now. Um, So I think it's a really interesting way to look at a second chance romance because I know a lot of them will have maybe a few flashbacks to the time in which the people were together, but not really like watch them fall in love, watch them fall apart, watch them get back together in that same way. Even though you, you could say that that's what a lot of romance novels are with the third act breakup. But this is like third act breakup has happened and we're in media res yeah and this is a book uh, this is a series that again because of you i have basically purchased the entire thing like one click (laughs) and i was trying to pin down what sports series you were talking about recently where like a couple of the books happen at the same time Mm -hmm. and i think i thought it was the anazaba ellie witt series but i think maybe it's actually this one does that sound familiar that like the first and second or second and third books are happening concurrently it might am i still wrong about that (laughs) it might have been this it might have been uh rachel reed's hockey books because i know that a few of those a couple of the ones in the middle happen at the same time but this one is interesting because there's unwritten rules and then there is fire season which happens before unwritten rules so the characters in fire season are in unwritten rules after their relationship has been established. Ooh. And if you go back and look at Unwritten Rules having read Fire Season, some of those scenes are just, you, you're like, ah, I get it. So that might have been it because I think I talked about that recently. Yeah, I think you recommended Diamond Ring, which is the third one coming out this year as one of your favorite books or one of the books you're excited about for the year. So uh, yes, I don't know. I'll move on to uh, baseball once I've learned everything I need to know about hockey. So we'll come back. We'll come back to that. Uh, Do I see a series of essays in your future? I mean, who's to say? 2023, (laughs) all of our options are open to us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, anything else you want to say about Second Chance Romance, Jess? I 
like I said, I thought I wasn't a second chance romance person, but there are some authors out there proving me wrong. So we'll see how many more of those I tend to pick up. Mm-hmm. It might not be as many just because there's so many books. There really are. But I might be at least interested in more than I have historically been. So thank you, Second Chance Romance authors. Hooray! Thank you, Second Chance Romance authors. Thank you, all authors. Thank you, especially authors who are writing settings and jobs that we are unfamiliar with Mm -hmm. or not reading enough about. So everybody send us your favorite jobs, settings, positions, situations that are underrepresented, but that you are reading about. We are, I think, I would say ready to hear them. Yeah, Jess? Absolutely. And also send us your romances by trans authors who are writing trans women um, and other yes. trans feminine characters. I have a few in stock, but I, I want more if they're out there. That would be wonderful. Also send us whether they are those books or other books. I just realized, Jess, we got to pick another book club book. We do. We do. It's time. So uh, send us any of the books that you send us as recommendations or thoughts in this episode. Maybe we will consider them. So send us your second chance romance. Send us what you're reading. Send us what you're excited about. Send us whatever you've got that we've been talking about today or ever. And you can send those thoughts, recommendations, just general observations to whenandromance at bookriot.com. You can reach me, again, mostly on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. And you can find me on Twitter at Jess is reading, all one word, on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading, and on TikTok at Jess underscore is reading. A huge and wonderful thanks to our hugely wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink. <laughs> Please do rate and review the podcast. You can, you know, find it on the places where people rate and review podcasts because it helps people find the show. I think those are all of our things. Am I missing anything, Jess? Are we good to go? I think we're good to go. Thanks again. Talk to y'all soon and happy reading. <laughs>